What's up, guys? Welcome to this month's bonus episode of the Watermark Students Podcast. In a moment, you'll listen in on this month's Shoreline, where a high school student shares their testimony of God's work in their life, followed by a message which we believe will be helpful and applicable to your life as a teenager. We're so glad you're here, and without further delay, let's tune in. Hey, guys. I'm T. Parker. I'm a junior at Trinity Christian Academy. I'll be honest, I had about a thousand word essay written about my life I had planned to share, but I completely scrapped it today. The story I had written was simply an account of my life, but it made much of, of me and little of Christ. Instead of sharing that story, I wanted to rewrite it and share a declaration of how Jesus has transformed me through a relationship with him and how I have been renewed through the Holy Spirit. I came to know Jesus at an early age as I looked to the example of my two incredible parents. I saw the Spirit bear fruit and joy in their life and had desire for that same joy. One day, I was curiously flipping through my Bible at camp at my top bunk, and God led me to Psalm 119.9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? That simple question led me to explore how I could live a pure life. Instead of doing this, but instead of doing this to God's glory, I became obsessed around sixth grade with being an ideal kid who perfectly followed God's law. I was soon humbled when COVID came. It brought loneliness, isolation, new sin, realizing I, had not, I was not living in a relationship with God. It was truly the darkest time of my life. And there were six months during that time where I never even spoke to God, didn't pray once. But he was faithful to draw me back to himself through conversation with my dad. I was just sitting in my bed, just distraught, asking myself, God, like, where are you? Just praying. And my dad walks up. He says, son, um, he says, good night, say your prayers. And um, nothing unusual. That was just you know, a casual thing for him to say. Five seconds later, walks back, and he says, I'm serious. And that just struck me. That was, that was truly God speaking through him, saying, I seriously want you back. Um, and so through COVID and up to my sophomore year, I still suffered that, through that grip that Satan had in my life. I'd fallen to lustful thoughts and lost all confidence, but the Holy Spirit was faithful to convict me. I slowly grew in my desire for God's word and prayer with him. Through my football team, I showed the value, I was shown the value of community, brothers in Christ who I could walk in light with. I discovered I was not alone in my sin and began ridding it from my life. At times I was overwhelmed. God was showing me the depth of my sin and I realized I could simply not overpower it by my own strength. Romans 7.15 was evident when Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. In a way that sums up human nature, in my life at the time. There's no way we can will ourselves into obedience to Christ. Despite all of this, I kept trying to defeat my ungodly desires on my own. I would literally keep a tally of days in my journal for however long I would go without failing with falling into lustful thoughts. Then one day, after trying over and over and over on my own, I finally said, Lord, I'm desperate. I finally realized there was nothing I could do but to surrender to him. I finally understood that God does not want my good works. He wants me. At this time, 2 Peter 1, 4 through 7 became very clear. Through these, he has given his very great and precious promises so that through them, he may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, mutual affection, to love. This verse showed me that it is my faith that produces every fruit in my life. 
Our salvation and fruit of our life is ultimately through the work of Jesus, not the work of T. Parker. So that is why I'm here today, to promote, to promote his glory and the works he has done. Now, as I close, I think it's funny how the Shoreline team asked me to share my story because it still, it's still, God is still exposing idols in my life. This week marks the second year that I've had a season-ending injury for football from my reoccurring back fracture. It was truly one of my greatest fears that I would fracture my back again after eight months of recovery sophomore year. And even through this recent injury, God has opened my eyes to how I made football an idol and allowed it to overshadow my relationship with him and how I had twisted it to glorify myself. If there's one thing I hope you learn from my story, it's not that I'm not, it's that I'm not perfect. I still trouble, struggle to be content. But now I can say I'm truly striving to make him my priority for eternity as he sanctifies me through his spirit. Thank you. How's it going, friends? I am so glad that you've decided to join us tonight. Welcome to Shoreline. The last time I taught at Shoreline in um, September, after my message, I thought to myself, man, I think there might be some people in the audience that I've never met before or who don't know too much about me. So I just wanted to start off uh, by showing you really quickly a picture of my family. I think it's the most exciting thing about me. My wife, Hannah, we've been married for five years. And uh, my son, Winslow, he's two and a half years old. And my daughter, Darcy, she's nine months old, and they are uh, my pride and joy, and I love being um, Hannah's husband, and I love being Darcy and Winslow's dad. It's so, so fun, and I'm so glad that we have an opportunity tonight to continue on in our series that we've been walking through this school year called The Fight for Your Mind, where we've been looking at how you can take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, bringing your thoughts under the leadership and the lordship of Christ, not letting your thoughts rule you, but letting the one who created you be the one that, that defines and, and, and speaks peace and truth into your thoughts. And so tonight I want to start with our bottom line up front, and then we'll work our way through our text um, for the night. So here's, here's the main point of this message. Who God is and what God has done should lead us to turn to him when our mind is troubled. Who God is and what God has done should move us, should lead us to turn to him when our mind is troubled. I want to share a story with you that kind of illustrates um, this main point. So back in um, August, my family and I, we went out to dinner together at, at, at In-N-Out. Sometimes when we don't feel like doing dishes or spending an hour cleaning up the floor from all of the food that our kids throw on the floor, we decide, why don't we go to a restaurant so they can make a mess there instead of in our own house? And so we love going to In-N-Out uh, as a family. So we went there a few months ago in August. And um, my son, who typically loves In-N-Out, specifically the fries, he was not interested in the fries tonight for whatever the reason. And so my wife and I were like, he seems kind of awful. We didn't, we didn't tip, you know, uh, make anything of it. After we finished dinner, we decided, let's go get some ice cream, of course. And so we went to tongue-in-cheek ice cream in Richardson, which is just goaded. I love that place. And uh, we go there, we order our ice cream, and we get some strawberry ice cream for Winslow. He loves, honestly, any kind of ice cream. Um, but that night, he wanted strawberry ice cream. 
and he was still seeming kind of off. He wasn't eating his ice cream, which at this point we're like, what is going on? He kind of looked pretty sad and just like just sitting there, not even, not even trying it. And then we noticed some friends of ours were also at Tongue in Cheek and they were across the way in the restaurant. And so we got up, went over to them, you know, just were talking with them for a second. And then we look over at our son and the unthinkable began to happen. He started to projectile vomit everywhere. I mean, it was so bad. I don't even understand how that much throw up came out of that tiny of a human. It was everywhere. And, you know, um, there were a couple of high schoolers who were working uh, in, at Tongue and Cheek that night. One of them had to come and take the chair that he was sitting on, bring it outside of the restaurant, grab a hose, and spray down the, the, the couch. This wasn't a let's use a couple of napkins kind of situation. It was everywhere. And in that moment when he threw up and he saw that he was in, in, in this mess, Guess what my son did? He started running towards us, started crying, uh, held on to my leg, was begging to to run, to, to go home. He turned to me and his mom in a moment where there was a mess all around him. And the reason I start with that story is because it, it brought a question to my mind that I want you to consider for yourself. Where do you turn when you're in trouble? Specifically, where do you turn when your mind is troubled? Where do you run when there's a mess all around you, if you will? Where do you turn when your mind is troubled? Where do you turn when you're anxious about about making the team? When you're stressed about your, your, your grades or your performance in school? Where do you turn when you feel insecure? Maybe about how you look. Where do you turn when you feel like or start believing the lie that no one wants you around and that the the group of friends or your family would be better off without you? Where do you turn when you've been excluded from that friend group? Where do you turn when you feel convicted of the sin in your life and you know that what you've done was wrong? Where do you turn when your mind is troubled? When your mind is troubled, by that I mean when you are stressed, when you're anxious, when you're insecure, when you're discouraged, when you're confused, when you're convicted, when you're despairing. And if you're like me, what you do in those moments when your mind is troubled is it can be so easy to run to something else to distract to distract your mind, to distract, to take your mind off of those difficult or negative emotions, right? We run to, um, to YouTube or to social media or to shopping or to something else fun just so we can distract ourselves from having to face um, head on those thoughts that are troubling our minds. But you know the truth that no matter how long you, you, you try to distract yourself and keep your mind off of whatever is troubling you, when you're finished with that activity or uh, thing that, that is just distracting you from having to deal with those emotions, guess what? Those emotions, those thoughts, those feelings, those struggles are waiting for you when you, when you get done with whatever you've been trying to distract yourself with. And so it's so important that we understand and run to a source 
that actually helps us when our mind is troubled. Not one that distracts us, not one that, 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 that brings some sort of healing temporarily, but one that, that fully and finally brings healing and peace and joy. So maybe the, the first thing that you should do right now, if you're taking notes in your phone or in your, in your journal, is to write down, honestly, hey, in those moments when my mind is troubled, when I'm stressed or I'm anxious or I'm discouraged or despairing, where do I turn? What's that thing? Who's that person that I easily run towards um, to distract myself from dealing with what I might be going through? And as you write that down, I want you to think about my son for another second. How weird would it have been that right after he threw up and, and it was everywhere all over the floor, uh, the ground in the, in the restaurant, that he ran to some random person in the, in, in the store. Or he pulled out his phone and started watching YouTube videos. Like neither of those things even make sense, Right. It seems instinctive and natural that what a son should do in a moment when he is in trouble is to run to his dad, is to run to his mom, which is what he did because he knows that we love him. He knows that we care for him. He knows that we have his best interests at heart. And so that's why this message tonight is so important. When your mind is troubled, you will instinctively run to the thing you trust the most. And so you won't run to God if you don't know him, if you don't know his character, if you don't know that he has your best interests at heart. That makes it so much easier for us to run somewhere else. And so I want us to spend our time tonight learning about the character of God. And so we'll see the truth about God that should move us to turn to him when our mind is troubled. We're gonna spend our time in God's word observing the truth about God that should move us to him when our mind is troubled. So I wanna invite you, if you have your Bible, to turn with me to Psalm 103, Psalm 103. And, and I want to encourage you, anytime you come to Shoreline or to church, bring your physical Bible. It is uh, such an easy way to remove the distractions that might be on your phone. And even if you have your phone, I get it. I understand it. And I want to encourage you to um, remove as many distractions as you can. Put on, do not disturb. Because I think God has something for you from Psalm 103, as we'll observe the truth about God that should move us to him when our mind is troubled. And so in Psalm 103, we're going to see four, um, four things. And, and those four things are our response when our mind is troubled in verses one and two. Then we'll see the benefits of God in verses three through five. And then we'll see the character of God on display in verses six through 19. And then in verses 20 through 22, we'll get one more reminder of what our response should be when our mind is troubled, okay? So join me in Psalm 103 as we look at verses one and two, which talks about our response, what our response should be when our mind is troubled. And so if your mind is troubled in any way tonight, as you walked into this room, this is for you. And this is the, the prescription or the encouragement that we're given. Uh, this Psalm is written by David, 
who we've been studying the life of David here on Sundays uh, in our sermon series on Sunday mornings. And he wrote this psalm in a moment where there was lots of trouble in his life. And so hopefully his experience and his uh, advice as he is inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these words encourages you as well. So what should our response be when our mind is troubled? Verses one and two of Psalm 103. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Isn't that, doesn't that feel like a weird place to start? But it is the most powerful place to start if your mind is troubled. Instead of dwelling on the challenge or trying to figure out a solution to it, David invites you and I, when our mind is troubled, when we are stressed, when we are anxious, when we are discouraged, when we are despairing, that what we should do is instead of focusing on the the struggles and the challenges in our life, but to point our attention towards God. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, what does that mean to bless the Lord? I looked up a few um, kind of explanations of what that means. And a summary of it would be, uh, if you were to bless the Lord, what you're doing is that with everything that you are, with all that you are, you are celebrating who God is. That's what it means to bless the Lord. Every part of your being, your soul, reaching out to the God of the universe who loves you, who sees you, who knows you, who understands every tear and every burden and every struggle and every uh, troublesome thought in your mind. He's saying everything that you are should celebrate who God is and that that should be our first response. Why? Because we were made to worship. We were created to be in relationship with the God of the universe who loves us, knows us, and cares about us. And as we put our attention on him and celebrate all that he is and are grateful for his character and his nature and his provision in our lives, guess what begins to happen? There begins to be a change in our hearts. When you're more grateful uh, for who God is, it begins to change your heart in the midst of hardship. And so that's why the psalmist invites you and I, when our mind is troubled, And that the first thing we should do is to stop and celebrate who God is. Because we were created to worship him. And so our response when our mind is troubled uh, should be to bless the Lord, oh my soul. And I love that last phrase, which leads us into our second point. It's, and forget not all his benefits. Um, That's also a weird kind of thing to think about. David is inviting us when our mind is troubled, when we're anxious, confused, despairing, that we should consider and reflect on the benefits, what we get from God, which seems so weird to think about. But he says it, that we should bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Um, An easy way to illustrate that, that idea that he talks about here is through... um, the reward systems that we have with different um, restaurants and companies that we work with. And so um, how many of you guys have the Chick-fil-A app on your phone? 
Yeah, we got, we got some people. How many of y'all have lots of points on there because you've racked it up over time? You'll love to see it. Well, Chick-fil-A, because of your relationship with them, uh, gives you benefits and blessings. My birthday was a couple of weeks ago, and you know what Chick-fil-A did? Um, yeah, thanks, whoever was clapping. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, Chick-fil-A told me, hey, because it's your birthday, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spot you a free ice cream, a free cookie, a free milkshake, a free whatever dessert you want, just for being a loyal customer of our, of our company, right? And um, some of y'all, maybe more so than others, visit Chick-fil-A on the regular, and you rack up the points. In fact, uh, Lauren McGee, who's on our team as a student's events assistant, she is um, the queen of Chick-fil-A as you can see by the 35,000 points that she has in her account. Uh, we did the math and we, we looked at how many free Chick-fil-A sandwiches you could get for having 35,000 points. And it worked out to about 48 chicken sandwiches. So she literally could go to Chick-fil-A once a week, every week for almost a year and, and, and get a Chick-fil-A sandwich for free. If you have more than 35,000 points on your Chick-fil-A app, I want to see it. That's pretty impressive. Um, but the point of that illustration is because of the relationship between you and this, this restaurant, you get to experience some benefits, right? And in a way more significant and important way, because of our relationship with God, we get to experience some benefits. Now, to be clear, we're not just in a relationship with God because of what we can get from him. He himself is the benefit, right? Ultimately, the greatest benefit that you get from being in a relationship with God is God himself. Romans 8.32 talks about it like this. He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him over, so that he could live, die, and raise again from the dead for your sins, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So we have a God who is generous. And we not only get him, but because we have him, we get to experience so many of the benefits of a relationship with him. And so look with me at verses three through five, where we observe the benefits of a relationship with God. Verse three says, who forgives all your iniquity. That's a benefit, that God forgives you and me of our sin, of our rebellion against him, who heals all your diseases. Do you understand that God is a healer of anxiety, of depression, of insecurity, of addiction, and even of physical ailments that one day, all the brokenness, all the pain that we know and experience in this world will be redeemed, will be removed. There'll be no more sickness, no more crying, no more pain. When God makes all things new, he heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Some of us have made a mess of our lives in certain seasons and, and what incredible news that one of the blessings and benefits of a relationship with God is that he rescues us. He takes us out of the, the mud that we're stuck in. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. 
I don't know who needs to hear this, but this phrase might be just for you. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Here's, Here's what those words are saying. God doesn't just tolerate you. God delights in you. He enjoys you. Not because of the the good things that you do or your status in life. God enjoys and delights in you. I love this phrase. He crowns you. He puts a crown on your head. He calls you his, uh, his, his kings and his queens, right? He crowns you with his steadfast love and mercy. He delights in you. And he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Here's the thing. You can only experience those benefits if you actually have a relationship with God. Going back to the silly analogy, I don't get free birthday rewards from Chick-fil-A if I've never been to Chick-fil-A and I don't have a relationship with them, right? That's logical. And in the same way, if you're sitting in this room or listening right now and you have never surrendered your life to God, understanding that you are broken, that you are sinful, and that you are separated from God apart from his divine grace, but that based on his love and mercy for you, he sent his son Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for you. That's the gospel. You can only experience these benefits if you've embraced uh, the truth of the gospel and have a relationship with him. Maybe if, you, if you're already in a relationship with God, the question for you is, and do you actually run to him every day? Because every day there are moments where our minds are troubled or we experience troubling circumstances uh, in our lives. So the question is, where do I run? Do I run to all the things that might distract me or do I run to the true source that brings healing and hope and peace? So we see the the benefits of relationship with God in verses three through five. And thirdly, we're gonna notice the character of God and the character of God should move us to turn to him when we're in trouble, when our mind is troubled in verses six through 19. Y'all, this is so cool. The character of God is on display in these verses. And so up on the screen, uh, I'm gonna show you Uh, at least 10 of the characteristics of God that are on display in verses six through 19. You can take a picture of them or you can can write them down. Don't worry about it. We're gonna go back through those verses and just observe all of these um, defining traits and characteristics of who God is. We're gonna see at least 10 of them in verses six through 19. And here's my encouragement to you as we go through these these verses in the next few moments is that you can't celebrate who God is if you don't know who God is, right? If you don't know him, you won't run to him instinctively in those moments when your mind is troubled. It's like going to a birthday party of someone you don't know. Like if you walk into that house or walk into that party and everyone's celebrating that person and talking about ways that they're, that they're awesome and a blessing in their life, if you, if, if you don't know that person, uh, it feels weird. It feels awkward. You have nothing to say. You're not really gonna celebrate them because you don't know them. And in the same way, it is so important for us to know who God is if we're gonna celebrate who God is. 
So I want to invite you to not check out on the wonder of God. So really quickly, we're going to see that God is righteous and he's just, that God is a revealer of himself, that God is merciful, that God is gracious, that God is slow to get angry, that God overflows with love for us, that God is a forgiver of sin, that God is compassionate, that God is patient, and that God is sovereign. And so look with me at Psalm 103. Um, Let's start in verse 6. It says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And so we see two of the the characteristics of God just on display in that verse, that God is righteous and that God is just. And anything that is unfair, unrighteous, or unjust in this world or in your life will one day be made right, will one day be made just, that one day our world will experience true Justice that isn't uh, marred by sin because God is righteous and he is just. And the next verse, it says, he made known his ways to Moses. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And so what we see there is that God is a revealer of himself. I want you guys to understand this uh, as clearly as possible. The God of the universe who created everything that there is, he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants a relationship with you. So much so that every single day, he reveals himself to you through the sunset and the sunrise. A couple of weeks ago, um, my family went on vacation to Rosemary Beach. Um, and uh, wh- one of the things that we would do every day, every morning, is we would walk down to the beach and we would look at the sunrise. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. And then at the end of every day after dinner or right around dinner time, we'd go back down to the beach and we would look at the sunset. And it was amazing and it was beautiful. And it's not just an amazing, uh, you know, scenery that maybe you've seen before or, or something else that you've seen on vacation that you've been like, wow, that is beautiful. That is amazing. It is so much more than that. God is revealing himself to you. In fact, Psalm 19 says, the heavens, they declare the glory of God. And so every sunset, every sunrise is screaming out to you that there's a God who loves you that there's a God who is creatively thinking about and ordering your steps. There's a God who sees your pain. There's a God who sees um, the things that are troubling your heart and your mind. And he wants to reveal himself to you. Isn't that an incredible, incredible truth? He continues, the Lord is merciful and the Lord is gracious. He's slow to anger and he abounds in steadfast love. Isn't it amazing that God is slow to anger? I can think of so many times when I'm fast to anger or annoyance with my kids or, or with my wife or with, uh, with friends or community members. And I'm sure you, you can think of times where you're fast to become angry as well. But the God of the universe who loves you and wants you to turn to him when your mind is troubled, he's slow. He is patient with us. What an incredible truth. God is slow to become angry. 
And not only that, he is abounding in steadfast love. In other words, his love overflows for us. We see that in verse eight. And if you jump down to verse 11, it says this, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards you and I. The psalmist David is saying that when you consider the length or the distance between the ground upon which we stand and the ends of the galaxy, God's love exceeds that distance. Whatever that innumerable distance is, God's love for you exceeds that distance. Isn't that amazing? For some of you, that's the truth that you need to walk out of here with, that God, God's love for you abounds, that God's love for you is immeasurable. So God is gracious, God is slow to anger, God overflows with love for us. God is a forgiver of sin. I love verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. Uh, High schoolers in 2023 in Dallas, Texas, the east and the west, they never meet. And because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, if you surrender your life, your, your heart, your soul to him, you and your sin will never meet again because it was paid for on the cross. That is amazing news. You have no more charges against you. Jesus took it for you. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. God is compassionate. God is patient. God is sovereign. In verse 19, it talks about the fact that the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. In other words, he's in charge. And so whatever you're going through, whatever is troubling your mind, even in this moment, God is sovereign over it. It might seem painful. It might seem discouraging and frustrating. Or maybe you even ask the question, why, why is God even allowing me to experience this? And in some way that our finite minds cannot understand, he's working all things together for your good and for his glory. And so the character of God, as we understand it more and more, should turn us to him instinctively in those moments when there's throw up all around us to run to him, our safe and steady refuge. So I want to share with you um, a couple of examples of what turning to God uh, when your mind is troubled might look like for you, and then we'll wrap up. For some of you, um, turning to God when your mind is troubled, when you're anxious, when you're discouraged, when you're despairing, when you're confused, when you're insecure, whatever it might be, for some of you, turning to God might mean just casting your cares upon him. Might mean going to him in prayer. Might mean asking other people to join with you in sharing that burden by lifting it up to God. We run to God when our mind is troubled by going to him in prayer. That's one way that you might practically apply this uh, message to your life. Another way might be confessing your sin. Maybe there's ways that you know that you have rebelled against God's way and God's instruction and God's ideal for your life. And you know 
that you're, you're wrong. You've been convicted of that sin. You can turn to God in those moments and confess your sins to him. Because 1 John 1.9 tells us that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe for some of you, what you need to do tonight, right now, is to agree with God. That's what confession is. I agree that I've sinned against you. And for some of you, the way, the, net, the, the way that you can turn to God when your mind is troubled is by just dismissing um, intrusive thoughts. And so here's what I mean by that. Um, some of you maybe even struggle with this where there's moments in your life where uh, you're just living your life, minding your own business, and this thought just comes into your mind from out of left field. And you're like, where did that come from? Did you know that one of the ways that you can turn to God when your mind is troubled in that way is not necessarily going and thinking about, man, where did that come from in my heart? Uh, why am I even thinking about this? So let me say it like this. Not every um, thought needs to be diagnosed or, or dissected or deeply just like reflected on. Some thoughts is just like, hey, that came into my mind and that is not true because I know what is true from God's word and who God is. And so I'm dismissing that thought, right? That's a way of turning to God as well when your mind is troubled. So you can cast your cares on him. You can confess your sins to him and you can dismiss uh, intrusive thoughts that, 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 that spring up in a moment. When I uh, was sharing with my wife that I was gonna make these points about ways that you can turn to God when your mind is troubled, she um, highlighted that we have a, a devotional book that she basically goes through with our son Winslow in the mornings. And it's called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. And it is, it shouldn't be a children's book. Adults, you, all of us should read this, this book. It is so powerful. It is so good. It's devotional thoughts with um, pictures and imagery that are really helpful for a child to understand. You know what? Sometimes we just need to understand like a child. And so when it, as it relates to intrusive thoughts, specifically if that's a struggle of yours, there's a devotional in here uh, on page 69 of it. And I have a picture of it up on the screen and it's called No Bird's Nest. I'm gonna read it for you. Sometimes bad thoughts just land in your head from nowhere. Is having an awful thought a sin? When Jesus was tempted in the desert, Satan whispered awful thoughts and lies to Jesus to tempt him away from God. It's not the thoughts that count. It's what we do with those thoughts. Jesus didn't listen to those awful thoughts. He didn't believe them. He sent them away. He dismissed them, right? An old proverb says, you can't help it if, if birds come and land on your head but you don't have to let them build nests in your hair. Isn't that awesome? That's a truth that isn't just powerful and important for a two-year-old boy, but for me and for you and for every single one of us. That in those moments when our mind is troubled uh, by all so sorts of thoughts, that they, they don't have to, we can't control if they come into our minds, 
but we can control if they build a nest on our heads. So encouraging. And so as we wrap up, after David's, David looks at um, uh, the, the benefits of a relationship with God and he looks at the character of God, he goes back in verses 20 through 22 and he gives us a reminder of what our response should be when our mind is troubled. And so he's just, start, he's just going back to where he started. And he says specifically in verse uh, 20. 20, uh, 22, he says, bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion, which is everywhere. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And so he ends where he begins. If your mind is troubled, if you are struggling, if you are anxious, if you're tired, if you're discouraged, if you're despairing, he reminds us what our response should be. And that should be to look to God and celebrate all that he is, that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and that he's compassionate and patient and a forgiver of our sins, and so much more. We get to experience the blessings and benefit of God, and he invites us to celebrate all that God is. That should be our response when our mind is troubled. So where do you turn? One last time. Where do you turn when your mind is troubled? When there's a mess all around you, Where do you turn? I hope that as we've looked through Psalm 103, that you've understood clearly that who God is and what God has done, specifically through his son, Jesus, that those two realities should lead us to turn to him when our mind is troubled. Let me pray that we would. God, we love you and we're so grateful uh, for Psalm 103. And we're so grateful for who you are and that we get to experience and know more of who you are as we um, take the time to do it. And thank you for the opportunity tonight we had to consider your character and the benefits of a relationship with you. I pray for every student, every leader in this room that in those moments when our mind is troubled, that we would run to you that we would look to you, casting our anxieties on you or confessing our sin or just dismissing untrue, intrusive thoughts in the name of Jesus. God, we love you and we're so grateful and we worship you now. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Watermark Students Podcast. For more information on Watermark Students, check out watermark.org slash students. And we love you guys so much. We're glad you joined us. We hope you share this episode with a friend. I will talk to you next time.